1: On the science revolution, has the Georgia governor rolled out a new death panel coronavirus plan? Dr. Andrew Glickson is here on coronavirus versus climate extinction. While we're dealing with COVID-19, we're also hurtling toward extinction. Dr. Justin Frank drops by, saying Trump could see dead bodies from coronavirus and just step over them. What? Also, Greg Palast explains the secret history of the deep water horizon. BP's second blowout. It's the 10-year anniversary for Deepwater Horizon's debacle. Find the Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. You know, when Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, first issued his order, and this is a quote from his tweet, We will allow gyms, fitness centers, bowling alleys, body art studios, barbers, cosmetologists, hair designers, nail care artists, aestheticians, their respective schools, and massage therapists to reopen their doors this Friday, April the 24th. So he lays this out. And I'm looking at this list and going, I don't see any companies on that list that are big corporations that shovel money to Republican politicians. Everybody I see on that list is a small business, and generally hanging on by their fingernails, small business, right? You know, barber shops and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, there may be some national chains of, of gyms and, and fitness centers and bowling alleys, but but by and large, in most parts of the country, these are locally owned businesses. So, what's the deal here? Uh, It seems that every business on Brian Kemp's list, now that he has issued this executive order saying that they can stay open, those particular small business owners and their employees may well no longer qualify for unemployment insurance in Georgia or other forms of state relief. We're seeing this strategy in Georgia being replicated in other Republican-controlled states. Keep in mind, states can't issue money. The federal government can just print money. The Fed is doing that like there's no tomorrow right now. The federal government can also borrow money. We've borrowed more than our GDP so far since Reagan started this debt binge. When Reagan came into office, our national debt was 800 billion billion, eight eight-tenths of $1 trillion, And he tripled that to $2.4 trillion. And then it's just been off to the races ever since. States can't do that. They have to actually raise the revenue to pay for the things they're paying for. And so how do they pay for basically relief programs for unemployed people? They have to raise taxes. And the billionaires who fund Republican governors all across the United States, and make no mistake, they are funded by groups of billionaires. The billionaires who fund these Republican governors all across the states don't want to see their taxes go up. Most states have a local billionaire, and every state has a local right-wing group that's been funded by a national group of billionaires, many of which Charles and David Koch put together back in the day. You know, Republican governors live in terror of these right-wing billionaires and their so-called think tanks and their pressure groups and their lobby groups. So once again, Republicans are putting the interests of rich people and big corporations ahead of the people of their own states. And in this case, ahead of the small businesses in their own states. There's no way that a cosmetologist or a massage therapist or a barber or hairdresser can do those jobs from six feet away. It can't be done. But they can certainly get sick and maybe die, and then they're definitely no longer on the unemployment rolls. Is this the new Republican death panel, basically? Has Brian Kemp rolled out the GOP's new plan to deal with the coronavirus? Let's just wipe out the small business people. You know, why? Well, I, you know, I think that this is just a desperate ploy to not have to pay, pay these people. I mean, it's very straightforward. Dan Patrick is talking about this the lieutenant governor of Texas, you know, life is overvalued. And George Chidi, who is a, a reporter, he says, if there's no state order calling for businesses to be closed, the people who are unemployed can no longer claim that their unemployment is involuntary. You know, they can't maintain social distance. Notice that there's no banks on that list. There's no software firms on that list. There's no factories. You know, there's no big businesses, big hotel chains, things like that. They're not on that list. The businesses on the list are not only staffed by relatively poor people, they're by and large owned by kind of the top end of the bottom end of the American workforce. These are people who can maybe scrape together $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 to start a small business, but they're not rich like the people who fund the Republican Party. And so they don't have the money to hire lobbyists to give money to Brian Kemp and other Republican governors. As the Georgia governor rolled out a new death panel, is this the new Republican death panel plan or program? It's starting to look like it. On the line with us today is Dr. Andrew Glickson. He is a climate scientist, research scientist with the Australian National University. Recently wrote a piece published by The Conversation about Earth hurtling toward a catastrophe worse than the dinosaur extinction while we're all obsessing on the coronavirus. Dr. Glickson, welcome to our program. Thank you very much, You note that you are an earth and paleoclimate scientist and you've spent years, uh, perhaps most of your life, looking at climate changes and mass extinction and the relationship between the two. And you mentioned the two most recent, the PETM and the one that probably most people are familiar with as the end of the dinosaurs. Can you give us a, a sense of what happened during those two extinctions, 55 and 66 million years ago?
2: Yeah, okay. Well, KT, the impact event, uh, asteroid impact, has released massive amounts of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere over a period which has been estimated as about approximately 10,000 years. In the case of the Paleocene, Eocene thermal maximum was a bit longer than that, but uh, still... This causes up in the first case, a major, major mass extinction of more than 60% of genera, living genera, have uh, perished. In the second instance, the PETM, the extinction was less abrupt, but still major, mostly in the oceans. And it comes to show composition of the atmosphere can do to the um, living world, to species, even though the rate now of the release of carbon dioxide is more. Than in order of magnitude faster. Uh, the reason is the uh, rise in um, temperature uh, consequence on um, carbon dioxide release. This uh, immediately alerts us to the destructive consequences of the release of a change in transfer and the composition of the atmosphere at such an extreme rate.
1: So in other words we're pumping carbon dioxide or carbon equivalent products, methane and whatnot, into the atmosphere at a rate that is at least ten thousand times faster than the two previous extinctions? Do I have that right? Ten thousand years versus maybe a thousand? Ten
2: thousand faster. Ten thousand is length of time, the number of years, it's at least an order of magnitude faster at the present time.
1: What does this mean for the larger animals and the apex predators like us humans? You
2: change the composition of the atmosphere, you change the temperature, you change most other parameters, including events such as fires and uh, storms and cyclones and all the consequences of increasing temperatures in on land and in the oceans, if she increases gradually, that's one thing, but if it increases abruptly, many species cannot survive. You,
1: you mentioned in your article that one of the things that might have caused The extinction 55 million years ago, the PETM, could have been a methane burp. Are you talking about like the clathrate gun hypothesis, where the oceans warmed up enough that the essentially frozen methane or methane frozen in crystal, ice crystal lattices began to change phase, uh, you know, move from solid to gas and essentially came into the atmosphere? Or was that more like a melting of the permafrost and the tundra? That it
2: frozen methane is suggested on the basis of the isotopic composition of the carbon which has been released at the time. A light isotopic composition, low 13 to 12, isotopic composition. Now, the source of the methane is still a problem because a massive injection, even though it went over... 10,000 years, or more than 10,000 years, which in terms of the biosphere was very fast, but still not as fast as what's happening now. Compare it, or when you look at it in perspective of what's happening now, we have many hundreds of billion tons of methane locked in, um, in the permafrost in Siberia, and Canada, and generally in the Arctic, which is already being released at very high rates. We now have close to um, 2,000 parts per billion of methane, which is Powerful greenhouse gas, it's more powerful than carbon dioxide by a large factor. When you look at the comparison, we are releasing, or the permafrost melting is releasing methane now at a rate, which is once again faster than what happened during the geological events.
1: What will the world look like for our children and grandchildren?
2: Uh, We cannot tell, of course, that we don't have a crystal ball but many species cannot survive such an extreme change in the composition of the atmosphere. There will be some which can survive, but there will probably be very primitive uh, forms of life, as to mammals and so on. They suffer badly. Uh, No one can tell exactly to what extent, but they will suffer.
1: My wife and I took a walk today along one of our country's major rivers, and there was a long stretch with a lot of flowers that were blooming. And 50, 60 years ago when I was a child, those flowers would have been covered with bees and flies. The air would have been filled with swallows, insect-eating birds. There would have been butterflies all over the place. We saw two swallows in the 40-minute walk. We saw one bumblebee and all the insects seem to be gone. Callers of mine, our program is broadcast nationwide. We get a lot of truck drivers calling in and they're, and they're telling us stories about how 20, 30, 40 years ago as they drove across lush areas like Michigan or the American South, they would have to stop every five or six hours to clean the bugs off their windshield. Now they can go a week without cleaning their windshield. We've heard about the insect holocaust. Are these all the early warning signs that we are approaching biological disasters?
2: That's a part of it. Uh, Insects are affected. Uh, It was generally thought that insects, or some insects are resistant to uh, climate change, but even here in Australia, at least where I am, There are fewer insects, fewer flies, fewer mosquitoes. It's hard to say why the rise in temperature is affecting them to this extent, because, of course, there are a lot of insects in tropical regions. But it seems as a direct observation that there are, like you say, fewer insects. And this is one of the changes it's a worrying changes because of course insects have a major role in, uh, in the biological world without insects there's fewer insects a lot of processes including the uh, flowering of plants and so on uh, hardly possible
1: it gives me the sense that we are living in a very very difficult time around the edge of one finally what is your advice to the world to all of us i mean what What do we need to do? Where do we go with this? And for several months now, as a result of this virus, we have seen a radical decrease in emissions. Again, on my walk today, I didn't see a single jet trail, vapor trail in the sky, not one. Something I haven't seen since I was a child, or 9-11. You know, if we were to stay in this kind of frozen position, is this a start? I mean, where do we go? What do we do?
2: Well, if civilization continues to dig and burn and mate hundreds of billions of tons of carbon from the Earth's crust and release it into the atmosphere. Civilization is changing what I would call the lungs of the Earth. If we breathe, which we do, higher concentration of carbon dioxide, we get very sick. It's called hypercapnia. That's the ratio of carbon dioxide to oxygen. The same goes for the entire Earth. The change in composition of the atmosphere is affecting the biosphere, whether it's plants or insects or animals. What do we do? Well, if the virus is going to end up making millions of people sick, which it does, then such an extreme change in the climate that we are witnessing now would make billions of people sick what do we do well, we need to recognize that it is a crisis it's a crisis in the living world and we need to elect governments which recognize it's a climate and do everything possible to ameliorate it the carbon dioxide concentrating in the atmosphere is already so high it's higher by more than 40 percent than it was in pre-industrial times That it's not only that we need to reduce emissions, we need also to somehow drawdown of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, sequester carbon dioxide from the atmosphere as it's causing amplifying feedbacks from land and from ocean. If we can elect governments which understand it and act upon it, then we can try and reduce the damage. But at the moment, I don't feel particularly optimistic about
1: it. Dr. Andrew Glickson with Australian National University, thank you so much for being with us. in this week's Geeky Science. On the line with us is Dr. Justin Frank, M.D., psychoanalyst, clinical professor at the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at George Washington University (laughs) Medical School, author of Trump on the Couch, previously Obama and Bush on the Couch, Justin Frank, M.D., his Twitter handle. And Dr. Frank, welcome back to the program. I'm curious, we were just talking with Alex Lawson a moment ago from Social Security Works, and he was pointing out that Yesterday at five o'clock, the Trump administration announced that if you earn so little money that you don't file taxes, income taxes, you have until noon tomorrow to go to an obscure site on the Social Security website and register yourself to get the $500 check for your kids or you have to wait for a full year. And I was like, Alex, why would they do this? And he was like, as far as I can tell, it's malice. Tell me about this. How does malice play out in politics? And where is this coming from?
3: Wow. Malice plays out in the life of Donald Trump from his earliest childhood. So it precedes politics. Basically, his father was a tyrant. And he made the children obey him no matter what. And Oliver wrote, as a child, he learned to watch his father abuse and browbeat his older brother and decided he would never confront his father and always do what he said.
0: Hmm. When
3: he became a father, he was a tyrant with his own children. And he became a successful tyrant as a politician because look at what he's done to the Republican Party. They are afraid of any kind of tweet that will affect them or will hurt them. They are terrified of him. They've been terrified of him since uh, the days of the primary campaign in 2016. They've never confronted him. However, that's where the malice comes in. It's about tyranny, and his malice is about tyrannizing others. The second part of his malice is that uh, he came to office as a builder, but he also has a long history of being a destroyer. And the part of him that's the destroyer, he even destroyed many of his own projects, is something that is stronger than his ability to be a builder. So he's always had an internal struggle between a destructive part of his personality and the building part of his personality. And I think the destructive part of his personality has been winning out and that it is malice about the checks not going out to the people who need them most. So it's about malice. It's about power. It's about tyranny.
1: We talked with Angelo Carasone, who is the president of Media Matters, and they monitor Fox News. And he was talking about how Fox News on April 7 and 8, as I recall, changed the narrative. They used to deny that the COVID was a threat. And then when it became undeniable, you know, New York was melting down, people were dying. They changed it to, yeah, okay, it's a threat, but it's not that big a deal. And then on the 7th or 8th, as I recall, they shifted the narrative again to, okay, we've done what needs to be done. Now we need to get America back to work, flying in the face of all the facts and and creating a public health disaster. And I asked him, why would Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch be doing this kind of thing, you know, this this kind of puppet master with these millions of, you know, the average age of Fox News viewers is from the high 60s, low 70s. These are the most vulnerable people to this particular disease. Why would they be doing this? And his response was that as far as he can tell, well, number one, Fox makes a lot of money doing this. But even if they lost all their advertisers, because he said they lost 300 million bucks in advertising last year. It's about power. And so then my question was, well, why do, you know, typically people want power for one or two reasons, either because they want to accomplish something like, hey, we want these politicians in power. Uh, You know, we want to have power over them so we can get tax breaks or to make themselves feel secure. And, he, and at that point, he wasn't really sure where to go with that. I, I put that question to you. Why are these guys so tenaciously hanging on to power like this, even when the exercise of it, the way that they're doing it, is leading to the deaths of people?
3: Well, I don't know enough about Fox News, but I do know that Trump hangs on to power, because that's the only way he can manage. And he can manage that way because that's how he learned to be from his father, that he has to stay in power or else he's in danger. And that he has a worldview that he's written about that's very clear, that the world is a dangerous place, and people are out to get you. So he would say, there's a dangerous world, everyone is lied to. And most likely, everyone is lying. So the ability to get away with lying in such a world is the source of comfort. So part of the power that he has is he needs to feel safe. And if he can feel safe by lying, by being more powerful than anybody else, he has a sense of omnipotence and that's always worked in his rallies people feel stronger in his rallies people don't feel that they're being lied to people feel increased but what's happening now and what happens with a person like trump who is a liar is that liars have to rely on somebody else because they actually don't know the truth and they don't understand truth so he has learned to rely on fox news which he feels is uh, the truth. He's sort of a poor man's version, or a rich man's version, I guess, of uh, Chauncey Gardner, if you remember from the movie Being There, when he knew all he knew was what uh, he watched on television. And he would quote things mm. from television, and people made him president of the United States in that story. Uh, This is Donald Trump, who is now the president, and he quotes whatever is on Fox News because that's the source of truth. People who chronically lie have a tremendous inability to know what's true, and they end up not only attacking truth, which is what Trump does, they end up actually de-skilling themselves. They are less and less able to think less and less able to think clearly, and less and less able to plan because they have never uh, uh, pursued truth at all. So their mind has sort of shrunk in size, and, uh, and he is a very good example of that. Um, he's able to interact with people when they question him, but most of the interaction is based on attacking back and vague uh, platitudes. He's not Well, I have a question think. about
1: that. A number of, in particular, women reporters have gone after Donald Trump in, in the press conferences or in his daily rally there. How best should you confront Donald Trump?
3: You have to confront him all the time. Every time he says something, question what he says, and then question it again when he answers vaguely. The hardest part is a follow-up question for him, because he cuts off follow-up questions because he is too afraid. He's much more afraid of women than he is of men, and he is.
1: Remarkable. Dr. Justin Frank, uh, George Washington University author of Trump on the Couch, along with Bush and Obama on the couch. Justin Frank M.D. is his Twitter handle. Dr. Frank, thank you again for dropping by. It's always great talking with you. Thank you. Sponsoring the interview this week is New Leaf Natural CBD Oil. Boy, with all this flying around, you know, I have been doubling my CBD oil dose. I love CBD oil. It doesn't get you high, and it's non-toxic, but it's a potent pain reliever. And anti, or it has potent pain relieving and anti inflammatory properties. I think it's the proper way to say that. And the brand I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. NU Leaf natural CBD oil is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, has no additional additives. Grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. That's NUleafnaturals.com and save 30% off and get free shipping in the US. When you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. Go to N-U-LeafNaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, NewLeafNaturals.com. That's NewLeafNaturals.com. That's N-U-LeafNaturals.com. Code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. NewLeafNaturals.com. Tom Hartman here with you, and on the line with us is Greg Palace, the author of several New York Times bestsellers, including The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, And uh, you know him through his work with BBC Television, The Guardian, Democracy Now!, Rolling Stone. His new book, How Trump Stole 2020, will be out June 2nd. It's available for pre-order now. And gregpalace.com is his website. You can tweet him at greg underscore palace. Greg, welcome back. And uh, tell us about Deepwater Horizon.
0: Okay. Forget the idea that it's an accident. I investigated the Deepwater Horizon for Channel Four Television of Britain and the Big Arte um, system of Europe, and created. I did a whole feature-length film. What happened was 17 months before the Deepwater Horizon exploded, which they said had never happened. They never had a blowout before in an offshore deepwater drill. But 17 months before, they had almost BP had almost an identical blowout. In the Caspian Sea, same ocean rig, a trans-ocean deep water rig, they covered it up, okay? They covered it up, and then David Rainey, their vice president, nine months before the Deepwater Horizon blew out, he testified before Congress, Tom. The vice president of BP said that they've never had an unsafe situation at an offshore deep water drilling platform, never in 50 years. And it was just months earlier that they had a massive blowout in the Caspian, which was covered up. And by the way, they got help. And now I only know about this, by the way, Tom, because I got literally an insider at BP who was on the rig next to the one that blew out in the Caspian Sea. I flew to the Caspian Sea to confirm that this happened. I got arrested there, but then was kind of catch and release because I was a British reporter at the time. And, um, yeah, they had this blog, BP covered up. But they also, so I not only had that insider, but another insider, uh, named um, Chelsea Manning, uh, who, got, who obtained the cables from the U.S. State Department, in which the State Department knew about the blowout, kept it secret, did not tell the U.S. Interior Department, which they must do by law. And that's how the Deepwater Horizon got its permit to drill they had just started drilling, and they only got it over objection of the Interior Department, which said, this is unsafe. They said, no, we've always been safe, and Congress forced them to allow that drilling. Eleven men were incinerated, 600 miles of coastline destroyed. That's the real story.
1: And that was ten years ago right now?
0: Ten years ago today was the deepwater rise and blowout. And, you know, again, it's always been, you know, it's an act of nature. There were mistakes made at the drill. Uh, There are a lot of, of course, all the safety equipment was missing. I have to tell you that um, part of my investigation went up to Alaska because, you know, I was the chief investigator on the Exxon Valdez cases before as a journalist uh, for fraud charges brought by the natives of Alaska. And BP was actually in charge, supposed to prevent that spill of the Exxon Valdez. Exxon, because it had its name on the boat, got all the blame, but BP was more to blame. They didn't have any cleanup equipment there, which they had promised to have, which they'd signed off and said they had, and then they pulled the same stunt in the Gulf. So from basically 20 years later, we had the deep water rise and they'd covered up the Caspian Sea blowout, of course. So you've got a multiple... You know, uh, a recidivist environmental killer out there, British Petroleum. Mm -hmm. And as we remember this state 10 years ago, let's not forget they're still out there and nothing's improved.
1: It's amazing. So, Greg, one of the stories that, that keeps popping up with annoying mm-hmm. regularity and has for the last three years is how Donald yeah. Trump and his administration, I mean, he's put a, a coal executive in charge of the EPA, and oil or a coal lobbyist, an oil lobbyist in charge of the Interior Department, how these guys keep undoing not just Obama-era regulations, but in some cases, regulations that go all the way back to Nixon. As a consequence of that, Is the next BP Deepwater Horizon blowout kind of event more likely now?
0: Absolutely, because we are not enforcing... You know, there's a lot of oil spills, Tom, and it's actually pretty easy to stop them. You basically surround them with rubber, and you, and you suck. You get a, the, the sucker ships, or the containment ships, as they call them. But you have to have that equipment in place, and it costs literally billions for BP to live up to its agreements for the Gulf and its agreements for Alaska, and they've never lived up to those agreements. There was no reason why that when that – first of all, they should never have used the system that they used – which is nitrogen-laced quick-dry cement. That still is not prohibited, and that's how it blew out in uh, the Caspian. That's how it blew out at the Deepwater Horizon. They're plugging these holes with this quick-dry cement. They put nitrogen in it, and, and on the deepwater wells, there's a lot of uh, pressure. So it's like kind of blowing into a milkshake. You're going to create bubbles, and that's your blowout. So we still have these massive problems. We still have oil companies that really couldn't care if they're rig workers, get blown to kingdom come. Uh, it's just, you know, in the end, cheaper for them to pay people off and pay up to clean up than the literally billions of dollars they'd have to spend each year to keep drilling even close to safe. It's it's madness mm-hmm. to be drilling deep water in the Gulf anyway, and that's still
1: continuing. Amazing. Yeah, remarkable. To the topic of your new book, How Trump Stole 2020, We I know we yep. talked about this last week, but you had this uh, web event on Saturday over on, um, uh, on we, we, Facebook. We, kind of... <laughs> With, with me, Tom yeah, Hartman kind of rolling out your new book. And, and,
0: and you can still pick Go up ahead. your uh, statements at at Greg Palace Investigates. By the way, 7 p.m. tonight we'll have another live, but on the Deepwater horizon and big oil. 6 cool. p.m. Pacific. Cool.
1: So I'm wondering if anything has changed. Are we seeing any motion by Democrats or, for that matter, blocking motions by Republicans that may have to do or may influence how, how the election this fall plays out? And also what's going on with the primaries between now and then?
0: Well, I mean, the primaries are pretty much dead. But what I'm very, very concerned about is that the the GOP is making no concessions to the fact that we are under lockdown and that their systems of forcing elections in precinct elections literally are going to that's going to kill people or in, in their hope will chase people away. That's what they hoped would happen in Milwaukee.
1: Well, we are over the last five, six days. We've seen a substantial uptick in new covid infections in Wisconsin you know following the voting debacle in Wisconsin. So apparently that actually is, you know, the Republicans forcing that in the Supreme Court and the and the Wisconsin Supreme Court is actually going to result in some people in Wisconsin dying. The Republicans absolutely. are absolutely and, to this and path? all
0: for a single reason, Tom. They wanted to get this right-wing guy judge back on the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. By the way, he lost, but guess what? He's unrecusing himself, and he, and even though he's been thrown out of office, he doesn't leave till August. He says he is now going to rule on whether a quarter million. Wisconsin citizens should be removed from the voter rolls. Now, I just investigated that, and I can tell you, Tom, that that list is phony as a $3 bill. My team has found 170,000 people wrongly placed on that list including, they said that the Sequana Taylor, this African-American woman, had moved out of Milwaukee, so she's not allowed to vote there, except that I don't think so. She is the county supervisor of Milwaukee. This ah! is the games that they're playing. This is the ge- But it's horrible. It's a quarter million people, Tom. And remember that Agent Orange won that state by just 22,000 votes. Yeah, they're getting ready. We can steal it ready. back.
1: The great Greg dot com is the website. You can tweet him at greg underscore Palace. Greg, thanks for dropping by.
0: the best,
1: Thank you, Mike. Check out his new book, How Trump Stole 2020. It's available for pre-order right now, and I believe the electronic versions are available wherever you find fine books. That's all for this week's Science Revolution. You can find the video portions of the Science Revolution on YouTube and check out our Facebook page.